Hello and welcome back to the Everything Must Go podcast. I am Steven and with me as always is Brandon J. Flippin, bringing you the season finale of what has been an incredible season one of the Everything Must Go podcast. And unlike most shows, we will not be having like a, a clip special or really anything that's all that particularly special other than just our normal content that we will be bringing you unless something pops in our heads, which it easily could because we are some creative guys, as you've seen over the last two years of this show being a thing. Uh, in this episode, we do have two segments planned out. One is Under a Rock and the other one is our Spotify segment. So there will be uh, there'll be some good, good laughs in here and also hopefully some good information you can walk away with and brag about to your friends. We also have a couple uh, audience questions. Thank you guys for writing in. So we will address those as well. But uh, overall, Stephen, I want to start with this. You said that uh, this week has just not been your week. You want to talk about not, that a bit? Not, definitely not been my week. Um, just one of those frustrating weeks where I had my back problems had, like I had done really well for like, what was it, like two weeks? I hadn't really had too many issues. And then my back problems flared up again. So I, I like took some time off of them and I like, didn't work out. And then I came back decided to work out but my back actually started hurting again immediately so that was pretty frustrating um i did some new things on youtube and like i think my videos this week like i think i will look back in hindsight and like this won't the the next thing i'm gonna tell you won't matter but uh the the videos i thought looked great this week i thought these were some of my like best quality videos i've ever done hands down they're the best looking videos i've ever done and the best sounding videos i've ever done everything about them i like love the way that i'm doing my new thumbnails um, but I got some of the absolute worst results I've gotten on my YouTube channel in the last year, at least like where, in terms of the actual viewership on it. So that's frustrating. Cause like I worked really, really hard this week. Um, I had a busy work week. I just, I, I felt like I was really spinning my wheels this week. I just kept working really hard on things, but there was just not a whole lot to show for it. And then my back started hurting. So it was just. Eh, it, it was just sometimes in life you work really hard and you want to pay out and you just don't get it. That's kind of how I felt about this week. But I am optimistic that I'll look back and just be pumped that I got this thing built now because I really think that I really hit my stride on my YouTube channel now. It's just about finding content that will bring people to the channel because, you know, I made some changes here. I don't know what's going to happen. And we talked a lot about being a YouTuber. It's a tough thing. So sometimes you don't get instant gratification and it's random what videos are going to get recommended and how you're going to perform so you got to do it because you like doing it i i know that we talk a lot about the whole youtube thing and our content creation and it seems like a major theme in in almost every episode but i but i am curious do you when you say things like i'm trying to be a youtuber is there any sort of imposter syndrome that you feel with that like it, it, do you think there's going to be a a, a certain um, external number that you'll hit where you won't feel that way or, or is that something that doesn't cross your mind? That's, that's a good question. I see one of the reasons why when I started, I would say about two years ago ish is about the time where Brandon and I started the podcast and then started making like our own projects. Also, like we started getting consistent with them. It was about two years ago ish. Uh, I had posted on my Instagram around that time, like, Chicago YouTuber and I remember feeling like that was like a like I felt almost like that was a fake like I was kind of being fake with it because I had I had uh, a couple hundred subscribers but like I wasn't very consistent at all and I was like am I really a YouTuber or just a guy who has made some YouTube videos so I, I did definitely feel that um, 
I think after that discussion I had with you, and we walked and we got pizza, and it was a, it was like a really good just like conversation. I, I do feel like this week that though the numbers don't dictate it, I feel like if you went to my channel now, I think it officially feels like I'm a YouTuber, even if I don't have the outs the the external validation on it, which is admittedly kind of not the best feeling. I do feel like I've sort of hit a threshold now where I'm like, you know what? I can kind of consider myself a YouTuber at this point, but just not a real YouTuber in the sense of where I want to be with it. Well, how do you think it compares to what people would consider like real jobs? You know, you like when I, when you think about your, your nine to five job that you go to during the week, do you feel like you're, like, do you have an imposter syndrome about being an accounts manager or whatever? I can't remember yeah, yeah. what your official title is, but do you have that with that job at all? Um, yes and no. I mean, technically, like, the job that I have is actually not what I went to school for. So mm -hmm. there is an element of, like, sort of self-taught at just understanding how to do a lot of the things that I do on the day-to-day. -day. So there, I think there's a little bit of that. Um, in a lot of ways, I feel actually like I'm... I'm more naturally inclined to be good at this type of stuff because like I, it, it's always been my passion to be in front of a camera and it's always been something that I felt like even when I wasn't that good that I had like a high ceiling because I was passionate and I just felt like I can do it well. So I think there's always like a little bit of this sort of imposter syndrome thing that people talk about because it's, it's re I, I mean, I, th I really think that everybody feels it. Like I, I'm not sure that David Dobrik doesn't have days where he's like, Am I really David Dobrik? <laughs> I, I wonder that. I have no idea what it would feel like to be that big, but I would imagine it. There's as much as we want to think that when you make it, you just feel like, oh, I'm here now. I'm good to go. I don't, I don't, I highly doubt it's that simple as much as it would be kind of nice. Well, I guess it just for me, I'm just thinking what solidifies us to these identities. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm an ad hoc negotiator, but what does that even <laughs> like? is that really who I am? You know what I mean? Like, well, am I, am I actually a musician? Like what, what brings us to this? What, what's the distinction between these things where we feel like this is actually a part of my being? Like I, and sometimes I feel that way with music where I play and I'm like, yes, this is like, this is so tightly interwoven with my soul, whatever that means. I'm just kind of being metaphoric, but uh, like, I feel like it's such a part of me. And then there's other times I sit down on the piano and I start writing a song and I'm like, what the hell do I think I'm doing here? I don't belong. Here. Like I, I, you know, am I really good at writing music? Am I good at, at painting pictures through lyrics? You know, what, where, where does a separation come? And, but then I also, I'm like, when I go to work every day, I'm just winging it. I didn't go to school to learn how to negotiate contracts for one-time agreements with providers who aren't in our network. Like, I didn't do any of that stuff. I'm just kind of winging it. And I feel like, for the most part, I mean, you know, we've talked about, like, education and stuff. You really get the most experience once you get the on-job experience with anything. So, to a certain extent, we're all just kind of making it up as we go, I feel like, aren't we? Yeah, well, I, I definitely feel that way. I remember when we started doing the podcast, everyone would always be like, oh, yeah, Stephen has a podcast. And I was always like, eh, I don't really. I just, like, record myself talking with Brandon. It's not really a podcast. Like, in my head, I'm just thinking that what – I don't know. I, I really – I would say that I felt the most imposter syndrome with <laughs> – 
having a podcast because I just couldn't wrap my mind around this idea that this is legitimately what a podcast is. Now I feel it even, I feel it now kind of because this is actually looks like a podcast kind of, but especially when we're recording on our phones and just uploading it and saying, yeah, look, we got a podcast. It's easy enough. So I, I don't know. Did you ever feel that way about the podcast? Well, I was just going to say it, it's an interesting thing because you get some of that where people are like, oh, you got a podcast? They're like excited about it. They're like, they want to listen to it. But then you get some people that are like, yeah, but his, it's, I guess they have one, but anyone can have one. It's not, it's not really uh-huh. that big of a deal. So it, it's, uh, you know, for me and you, people who are a little more ambitious, who like would love to see this become something quote unquote real as if it's not real already. Um, real as in the sense that by society standards, we have built up an audience and we're making money off of this, whatever society would consider this to be real. Um, whatever threshold that would be. I, it's, it's an interesting thing just to feel like, uh, when when is this going to be good enough for everybody to say that this this makes sense like this is what you should be doing this is like part of you uh, it's uh and even within ourselves like i i think there is a certain struggle when you are pursuing things you know uh, i have really ever since i because i dropped out of school to pursue music and a a huge flaw of mine in that pursuit was once it changed to the pursuit of my career, I started worrying about that success and like it clouded my ability to just stay consistent on things and feel good about what I was doing and, and push myself to write. Cause I was so worried about like, Oh, if I sing a bad note at a writer's round where there are like 10 people there, 10 people that can't do anything for my <laughs> career. Um, you know, if I sing a bad note, that means that I'm not going to be successful. Like I would have that pressure on myself. And so when I stopped doing music, I think, and I took that time away from it, it allowed me to see this, this other perspective of just like, wait a second, why did I sign up to do that in the first place? It's because I loved music. I loved writing. And I wanted that to be the vessel in which I made an impact in this life. And, um, and so I've tried really, really hard to remember that this time around. And it's not that I'm exclusively pursuing music, but just like all of these creative endeavors as they lead the charge for what I would like to do in my life. I I want to remember that I'm doing that because I love to do it. It feels like it is a part of me at the same time though, there is still like as any performer would be, you want that external validation. You want people to want to listen to your shit, to want to pay attention to you. And so there are times where I get caught up in like wanting people to buy into what I'm trying to convince you to buy into. And so it's just an interesting like limbo to, uh, to navigate because you want to, if I could just solely not, not like the ideal situation I feel like would be not to give a shit if anyone cared at all and just do whatever I want to do. But, um, I just haven't tapped into that mindset entirely. I've, I I think I, I still do care that people care about what I do. Yeah. I, it's hard to not care a little bit because I mean, especially if you want to make something a career, you kind of have to, as much as you want to do things for the love of it, if you really don't think about what people think about it at all, I don't know. I, I just feel like it can get, it can get kind of dicey because you do need people to buy into what you're doing. So it, 
I think people just start pressing themselves more when they feel like it's their career because it feels a little bit more like out of desperation because it's like, well, if you actually don't like it, you start like you start to become a little bit insecure, I feel like, because it's like, well, if they actually don't like it, at a certain point, it's bad. If you don't care about doing it for a career and you just do it for fun, well, then if you like it, well, it really doesn't matter because you're good. And that's I think this is actually a lot of times what happens with a lot of times famous artists. It's like they they did it at first because they loved it. Then they build up this audience, and then there comes something where it becomes a little bit forced because they want to push their career a step further. And to do that, they have to sort of do what they think people want them to do. And it's a really, uh, it's really an, an unfortunate thing a lot of times. And it makes me really feel for people who, like, I, I understand now more than ever because before I really didn't understand. I would I'd see an artist who was very successful and just think, wow, that's that's got to be like a, just this amazing moment where you have everything that you want in terms of the validation because people really like what you're doing. But now I'm realizing that, yeah, people will like what you're doing, but a lot of people will still hate you. Like even maybe more people than actually like you. Like Kanye, super big, and a lot of people love him, but I wouldn't be surprised if more people actually disliked him, which is weird for somebody who's so hugely successful when you, when you kind of think of it that way. And uh, I, I just think that even also once you make it, you may not even, like your fans, they might leave because you do something a little bit different. And that part's scary. I mean, I, I feel this right now on a very, very small level with my YouTube channel because I'm just like, all right, some people who subscribe to my channel, like they, like I can see where people uh, subscribe from so I can say what video they subscribe from. And I just think sometimes, well, if they subscribe to me from this video, is the content that I am putting out actually what they would want to see based on the subscription? That kind of stuff can really get into your head a lot. So I can imagine if you wrote like a really big song and everyone liked it, that you'd be a little nervous to make a song that's a lot different because you just don't know if they're going to like it. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think, something to keep in mind, too, as as you progress in, in, in your passions is uh, like I... We're, we're human, so I don't think that it's entirely out of the realm of possibility that at moments in this pursuit, or even if you are successful, uh, where you step back and like you want to know what people think and you care about what people think and you like the attention of it, or or you don't like the attention. Like I, I think that's a complete human thing. I, I, I don't know that the life that we have now, humans are... Uh, equipped to handle fame on the scale that you're able to obtain it nowadays. But um, at the same time, I think it's very important um, with a lot of things to try to have these like checks on yourself to make sure that those external qualities that you might care about in, in a time uh, or two, like you are able to separate yourself from the those in order to uh, make sure you're not letting them motivate you or letting them dictate your decision making process. Because I think even like even in the example that we're using about like you want to please your fans or something, um, I almost feel like it's kind of uh, counterintuitive because I think for the most part, specifically with art and entertainment, uh, I think people are most entertained or or moved by art when it's authentic, when it comes from a sincere place. And so 
you might feel like, oh, I'm doing this for my fans. So you put yourself in a situation that is unnatural for yourself and the exact action or the exact motivation for your action to please them actually does the opposite because now they, you can just kind of feel that sense that, you know, that's why people get mad about sellouts and stuff because they're like, oh, this isn't them. They're just trying to get a buck. Um, I, I think I struggle with that a little bit because I think it's, as an audience member, I, I want to be a little more accountable myself of like accepting that they're trying to make a living and trying to be authentic um, and just to be less critical. But at the same time, I think I do notice sometimes if so, if it feels like, gosh, they're just like One Republic used to be one of my favorite bands. But I, I have a harder time now with Ryan Tedder because he's been so such a big part of the pop industry and writing music for other people that it, it always feels like he's just trying to write a hit song. And when I listen to the older music, I guess maybe he had the same motivation, but I listen to one Republic's older music. It feels so much more passionate and, and, um, powerful to me. Um, and maybe that's just me projecting based on what it, what I think is happening. But, um, again, my, my, my biggest point is keeping that sincerity, um, in, in what you're doing, I think will actually just work itself out. Like, I think, I think audience, if it's something that can move people, they'll feel that sincerity and, and be moved by it rather than you trying to please them and, doing something that you think they want yeah absolutely i think that you're just better off doing what you want to do as much as you want to be able to please other people i just feel like in the end you're gonna get better results because you'll have a better frame of reference like you'll know who you are because you'll know that it's actually what you wanted to do and i just think you're in a losing battle if you're gonna always try to do things for other people and i think that that goes for things way beyond just doing it artistically. I mean, yeah. this is just making life choices. If people might be, I know when I moved to Chicago, some people were thinking that I was doing it kind of for the wrong reasons. But in my, my thought on this whole thing was just, I want to move to Chicago because it feels like the next step. And I, I could justify it in my head as to why I wanted to do it. And I knew that if I didn't do it, it was because of other people but if i did it it was because i wanted to do it and i'd rather i would rather just fail being me than succeed being somebody else like i just think that that's just a great way to live life in general because i just think a lot of people who don't go after their dreams there's always a sense of resentment perfect example if you didn't go after your dream because you um your significant other kind of wouldn't let you do that for whatever reason like they just that was a part of it. It's like you either choose me or your dreams. I think a lot of times those types of relationships, not all of them, but I think a lot of times there might be an underlying amount of resentment because they didn't give you the choice to do it. I think in a perfect world, your significant other should want you to pursue it and should be there with you on that journey because they love you for your, I mean, this is not supposed to turn into like a whole love thing, but that's just, that's basically it could like, like there's just a lot of ways that you can take this whole concept. Yeah. Well, we're on the same wavelength. Cause I was just thinking about how it applies even into a smaller scale of relationships. Like, you know, when you first meet somebody, if you're trying to be someone that you think they want you to be, uh, you can only pull that off for so long. Eventually you're not going to be able to pretend anymore or they won't be able to pretend for you anymore. And you're going to be stuck with this person that 
you're like, wait a second, I thought I knew you, but now I'm seeing this whole other person. And I think it's important to, to recognize that, um, you know, in anything, whether it's relationships, our careers, um, you know, just our day to day, like, uh, trying to pursue things authentically and being, being yourself will allow for the most sustainable future. I think, uh, the best chance of, of fulfillment because you're not, it's already hard enough to be yourself. Imagine, imagine putting on, uh, a pair of shoes, <laughs> of somebody else's life and trying to pretend that you fit in them. You know, I, I think, um, there's, there's already so much that's complicated within this journey. And so, you know, taking it day by day within being exactly who you are and learning and still growing and stuff. But like in a relationship example, if I, if I sell a woman, a, a, a bill of goods that, Oh, I'm this, per- Oh, I love to party and I love to do mm-hmm. all this stuff. <laughs> I don't love to party. So what's going to happen when I'm like, I'm so exhausted living this life that I don't want to live um, just to please them. You know, no, like especially people that are in tune with, with your feelings and stuff, they're going to read that. Then they're going to wonder what's going on. Like it can lead to so many problems down the line. So I think, I think uh, as much as it is important, it, it's, it's like a, it's like a balance between living in the moment and recognizing what leads to like a fulfilling future. It's like, uh, being yourself, uh, is much more sustainable than, than day to day trying to be somebody that you're not. Yeah. In the long run, you're, you're going to be better off if you just do things that feel right to you. Because I actually think that one of the worst feelings in life would have to be failing at something you didn't want to (laughs) do. Like, I just feel like imagine in life you go down the path that you don't want to go down for other people like just you want to make other people happy and then on that path you fail doing that thing like let's say you were pressured in your life to go on and become a lawyer just as an example but you didn't want to do that you want to do something completely different but for other people you're like you know I'll make them happy I'm gonna go do this and then you go on and then you fail your bar exam or you go on to become a lawyer and you're just absolutely miserable like what how is that going to feel? Like you just you invested all this time trying to make other people happy and then now you're in so deep and you're going to be miserable and then you're probably going to be miserable to be around so then other people won't even be happy to be around you. And then it'll be this whole endless cycle. This is this is something that I think about oftentimes when I'm making any sort of decision is just what are the what are all possible outcomes if I make this one decision right here? And if the outcomes look like that, possibly, then, you know, I might reconsider what I'm about to do. Yeah. I, I, I just think it's really – that's why it's important to have a good support system around you too for, for those checks and balances because we can get caught up in those things and, 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 and uh, make decisions in our life of what we should be doing. But um, I think there is a, a, a place that you can find of clarity where it's like, well, wait, what do I really want out of my life? If I have one life to live – what exactly am I striving for and, and what, what not only feels right, but what, what do I think is, um, is right for myself. And you're not always going to be right. Even in, in the pursuit of doing what you think is authentic for yourself, you're going to, you're going to make mistakes and you're going to learn along the way. But at least, at least if you're trying to do things that are specific to who you are, you're not having to deal deal with both the the variable of 
doing shit you don't want to do and making mistakes. You're just doing stuff that you think you want to do and making mistakes. It's, it's just, it's, it's a simpler, uh, it simplifies things, I, I think, to a certain extent. And yeah. I think it's also easier to like learn lessons from that because you're not also trying to figure out, oh, did I want to do that in the first place? You know, you're you're just like, okay, how where did I go wrong here? How do I need to adjust? Blah blah. blah. There have been so many times where I'm like, wait a second, did I make this decision for my parents? Did I make it for my friends? Did I make it for my family? And then, how did I fail? Where where did like that just muddies the water so much, and uh, you you it can really make you feel lost. And when you wake up from it, you like have to refine your identity almost. I'm gonna ask you like a a, a question on this. It's a little bit, I guess more specific can you think of an example of something it doesn't have to be like deeply personal but just an example of something ever in your life like it could be like when you're younger where you you kind of did something for a reason that you were able to establish was not actually something that you wanted to do but but like you ended up doing it and then how did it feel um well the the first college i went to uh augsburg college it's a private school in minneapolis um i pretty much chose to go there for all the reasons that weren't for me. Um, it was close to my family. I, I originally wanted to go to university of Nebraska and, uh, it was close to my family. I could play football and baseball there, which, you know, I, I did like those sports, but I, I think that over time, my love for baseball had really been shot. And, um, I think I loved football more than I love baseball and I was even going to give up football that next year just to play baseball because that's what my dad and I were talking about. Um, I also picked that school because it was only like three miles away from my girlfriend at the time school. Uh, so I just I made this decision all for um, people that didn't really like I not that I knew what I wanted with my life. I really didn't. I was figuring a lot of stuff out. Um, but I, because I didn't know, I was like, okay, well, I guess I don't know. So I'll just do what they say I should do. And, uh, you know, when I ended up, um, when I ended up going there, um, I definitely had some moments where I felt like I was falling apart. Cause I just was like, where, what do I do here? And then I tried, like, I broke up with my high school girlfriend and then started dating another girl that fell apart. And then I got back with my high school girlfriend. Cause I was like, I just need some, some level of comfortability, like some, some normalcy. And, uh, and you know, she felt normal to me because I dated her throughout high school. And, you know, it was just like, it was such a mess. And then, um, I ended up transferring out of that school the next semester and then moving to Tennessee, breaking up with that girl. Like it was all just like, I did not go here for the right reasons. And now I have to, I, I feel like I have to hit the restart button all over again. Um, and so that was, that was frustrating. I felt like I had hit a rock bottom and then had to dig myself out of this hole. And now looking back on it, it wasn't that dramatic, but it definitely felt that way when I was a little, when I was you know, an 18 year old kid trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. And this is the first time I get to make a decision of my own and I make that decision for other people. That was really tough. What about you? Do you have one in mind? I actually, so it, it's kind of weird because I don't have, when I first was thinking up this question, I was assuming I was going to have a lot of very obvious things from my younger years because I've actually been relatively good, maybe even to a point of a, a flaw at doing this over the last however many years of my life um i'm just trying to think of like something more when i was a lot younger that i just did it just because i wanted to i i think 
I think that. <sighs> what about wrestling? Did you do that because you wanted to do it? I I would say I mostly did wrestling because I liked working out. <laughs> like I just liked being in good shape, and I liked the uh, the workout aspect of it. But I mean, I didn't love doing that. But that wasn't really for anyone. I wouldn't say I can't. I actually can't think of something that's like very obvious. What about Kent State? So I, that's the first one I thought of, but. The only reason why I'd, I'm hesitant to even say it exactly, uh, because in, in a lot of ways, yes, it was, um, because I was dating someone at the time, so like I was able to stay closer to home. Uh, I was also uh, able to just like be around like friends and stuff because I grew up in Ohio, so it was simpler in that aspect. But to be honest with you, I just really didn't know what to do, <laughs> so it gave me like a direction. So I I can't say that I was like very strong on doing something else, and then I chose to do this, but. I'd say more just along the lines of like wanting to wear certain things that I would be like, well, I guess I won't wear this because this isn't really like I'm thinking like in my younger years, I, I don't guess I won't wear this because like this isn't cool or this isn't what my friends will wear. There's definitely things like that and just trying to be um, maybe kind of along the lines of like trying to be the, the partier like more because I definitely have a little bit of that side to me. Like I would say I'd say that it is there. So there were times in my life where I would try to play it up because I think it would just be easier to be more like that sometimes because um, it's a good way to connect to a lot of people and be the fun guy, which a lot of times people like. So there was times where I would make sacrifices to try to be the partier person instead of doing the things that I wanted to do more. Um, so that's actually that's actually probably the best example of it is in relationships doing that to try to be more of a party person because my significant other would want me to do it or just to try to be cool um, like suffering with my mental health as a result of it like um, definitely I would do that I I think actually now that I think about it I don't know if you'll agree with this but I think that maybe you and I the the difference is maybe you made more day-to-day decisions that might have been for other people whereas i made more big decisions that might have been thinking about other people yeah yeah i can see that because like i absolutely have been like unnecessarily more reckless just to try to be like more of a i don't know like a male stereotype or something like i've definitely i've definitely felt that before um, in my life, just kind of stupidly wanting to, I don't know, embody that more. And that really wasn't like, there's, that is a part of me. That's not completely not who I am. Like I definitely identify a lot more with the male stereotype than anything that's more like a female stereotype. But I just think that I've tried to, to almost be somebody. I think, I think for a big part of my life, I've tried to be somebody that I wish that I was and not who I actually am just because I thought that would be easier for me to connect with certain people. Mm -hmm. But I think when I actually stopped doing that, I started making better friends and I started also just like embracing myself more and like becoming um, a lot, like becoming a lot more comfortable with being creative and putting myself out there with things. So yeah, I mean, that's just a good example of how it ended up just screwing me over trying to be more um, like the rest of my friends or trying to be more like um, the stereotype of what I'm supposed to do that I think that it actually held me back with a lot of my progression on the things I'm actually the best at. So now you're starting to see that 
a lot of the stuff I do now is actually what I shine more at and is definitely more in my wheelhouse um, that I wouldn't have, uh, that I wish I would have done earlier. Yeah. And when I think about me, like I think about like a big decision of going to a college. And then also when I was pursuing music and uh, I dated my ex, I was thinking about, well, you know, if if we want to start a family, do I want to be 30 years old and still pursuing music? I don't know. And so I, uh, music kind of got put on the back burner a little bit, um, you know, and also, yeah, I... So I think that's a distinction between like I think day to day I would all I like stand up to people and I uh, am my certain way. People will consider me stubborn. I think sometimes that's why people uh, will, uh, you know, when I when I stand up on things, people will immediately jump to it's a closed minded aspect. I think it's more I just disagree with uh, certain stuff. Not that I don't see your side of it, but I just have a certain way that I live life. Um, But. Uh, I think that when I think of some of the big decisions that I've made, the ones that have really impacted the trajectory of my life, that's where I feel like I'm trying to manage, okay, well, how will this affect my loved ones? How will this affect my friends? How will this affect so-and-so? Um, and so I, I think that's a, an observation I've never really made um, where you've probably been better on that aspect of like, like your big decision to move to Chicago. You know, I mean, you were a lot younger when you made that decision and even your decision to go to West Virginia, like that was all you thought you wanted to be on TV. You're you're doing this. It it definitely wasn't like you were doing that for your friends. You're moving to bum fuck nowhere. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I have a, I guess I've, even though I feel like I've made a lot of dumb, impulsive decisions in my life, I do feel like they've at least a lot of times been my dumb, impulsive decisions. Like, mm-hmm. I just said, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to do this. And though some of those didn't really work out the best, it does feel better that at least it was mine. <laughs> like, I think it would have felt a lot worse if I decided to do one of those things and it was for somebody else and then it didn't work. Then I'd be like, wow, glad that I did that. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. But uh, definitely, like, my, my, uh, some of the, the times where I'm like, I'm just going to go out. It's great. Like, we've had plenty of discussions about my stupidity on just getting, like, really drunk on the weekends and, and then being like, wow, was that fun? No. Well, <laughs> my favorite thing that you do sometimes is, like, when I specifically hear you before you make the decision, <laughs> like, make a statement that I know I should not do this and I don't want to do this and I'm not going to do this. But then, like, I'd hear from you the next day and it'd be like, I did this. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. That's a really good point. That's a good point. I don't know what that says. I really don't know what that says about me. I, I, I like to think that. It says a- you're human. Like, we have impulses, <laughs> we have urges, and, and sometimes we get caught up in things. I like to think as I get older, there are less of those yeah. for the most part. But I think they have been. Yeah, I'd say there's been less over the years. But I, 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 I think I definitely, you know, for people listening, they don't know what you were like back in college, but I, I think I notice a difference in your impulse management. Not that you were like crazy. Like yeah, yeah, you and yeah. I wouldn't have been friends if you were yeah, crazy. Yeah, if I was actually like, yeah, that's um, a good point. But, uh, but, but I even think that us becoming friends shows a little bit of, like when I think about your perspective, I think it shows a little bit of what you wanted to be. Cause I think, I think you've said this to me before that that like that good influence that I had like I think part of you kind of wanted to like that was maybe 
who you felt the like the part of you that you felt you weren't being as mm. much. That's a really good point. I feel like you meeting you sort of represented the side of me that didn't get enough exposure in my eyes. Like the side of me that like was definitely there. Like it was a huge part of me, but I didn't have like another friend who sort of brought that out of me mm -hmm. enough. So that's actually a good point. That actually, it, if you broke everything down to the simplest form, that's probably the reason why you and I stayed friends throughout the entire time is like, um, from my, well, from my perspective on, I guess your perspective would be different, but that's like, that makes a lot of sense to me. I just stayed friends with you because I was trying to get close to your dad. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> hey, well, it worked out. You know? It Not, worked out. You just haven't met him. That's I haven't met thing. him yet, but once I do, oh, what? And then, then what? <laughs> I'm bending him over. Cut this out, Tony. Tony, cut it Tony, out. Tony, we can't we can't have this on the show. It's gonna give people the wrong idea. <laughs> this is not the everything must go. I mean, it is a season finale, so I guess we're getting a bit bold. I'm here. gonna, you know, the Lonely Island did Mother Lover. I'm gonna do Father Lover. That's gonna be my parody. <laughs> Father Lover. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a really good one. <laughs> oh man, I listened to that song actually again recently. Did you? I'm a big fan. Big fan, yeah. Uh, do you want to do some of these yeah. audience yeah. prompts? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We definitely should because we're like <laughs> actually pretty far in and we haven't even done the segment either. That's okay. It's season finale. We can have a little extra long we episode. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Season finale. Season finale. All right. So this first one, how do you think you would describe the year 2020 to your kids should you end up having kids? I thought this was a good one. What do you think? This is a good question. So I uh, – <laughs> One thing I, I really do think is that because in 2020, a lot of us, including myself, have spent a lot more time inside, there's actually a chance that it will be less memorable than I'm thinking it will be because it's not like I've like directly been in a bunch of these huge, um, like like the pandemic, for example. Uh, it's, a, it's a movement to stay inside. Like it's just, so I'm not going to remember a lot of times I sat inside and recorded a video like that's not really anything out of the ordinary i'd really remember um i definitely like i would remember the protests so that there's there's certain things i definitely would remember but i think if i were to just tell my kids about 2020 i would say it was like the first event in my life that made me realize that humans are at the mercy of more than just like themselves like there's there's um there's bigger things at work here like uh, we cannot destroy this like invisible enemy. Like this, the pandemic is something that's here that we can't, that we cannot physically see. So sometimes in life, even though we become more advanced with technology, we can't control everything. We can't save everybody's life. So that it's been a very humbling thought of okay, actually, we we don't have everything figured out. So I would I'd basically say that 2020 was the first time in modern time where civilization got. <laughs> very humbled at the idea that one, we don't have cures for every single disease, so we actually have to be uh, paying attention. Uh, we also sometimes have to make sacrifices for the greater good of the people, even though we are selfish in general. Uh, and also, when it comes to race issues, they don't just go away when you elect a black president. So I think that there's a lot that we can learn from 2020, and I'd basically say that um, it, was, it was the year that the whole world took a step back and realized that there were some problems that we had sort of overlooked or had avoided and they all hit us right in the face and we were faced to, we were forced to face those things. 
First of all, did you use the Trump line, Invisible Enemy, during that? Yeah. You yeah. are a big Trump guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, big, <laughs> big Trump guy. <laughs> Is that even originally a Trump thing? Uh, I know that he's said it a lot. Yeah, I don't even know if it's originally a Trump I, thing. If I, not, you know, every once in a while, Trump's got a zinger in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah? Um, and I was wondering when you were going to get to what you're actually going to say to your kid. <laughs> all these learning lessons i was like okay so what are you gonna fucking tell yeah your kids, so man? that's that's basically in essence uh trump said one thing during his presidency that was like a good visual about the invisible enemy which actually a good vision actually i guess it's the opposite it's the opposite of a good visual <laughs> <laughs> an invisible enemy is a good visual guy all right so yeah, you know what? <laughs> you say some of the funniest things when you're not trying to be funny. So I, I <laughs> so uh, you, you know, he says a lot of really, really, you know, I'll move on past this point. We get what I'm trying to say. Hopefully, I want to make so many T-shirts out of the things no. that you say. <laughs> no, season one, man. I gotta go back and find all of your quotes that are just like that. No, oh, God. I'm like, uh, I, I'm as good with my hands as a guy with no hands. Um, the Tinder one where you're like, you know, I don't know what it was like back in the days. It was like, you're milking your cow and <laughs> she comes up and you like how I milked this cow. <laughs> you like how I milked this cow? Oh my God. Yeah, that's good. Sometimes I, uh, I say some things that oh, don't come was... out perfect. Oh, we had a question of what do you do if someone ghosts you? <laughs> you Oh yeah. You ask them why they ghosted. <laughs> I mean, it's not the worst idea. <laughs> you get to the root of it, you know. I know, but just you fight fire with fire. They chose to ghost you, so why would they respond to you asking why? Well, if they do respond to you, then you know that they're not so bad. Maybe unless they're mean when they respond. Oh, oh my god, I'm crying right now. Man, dude, invisible enemies are great visual. <laughs> Oh no. Okay, what would I say to my kids? Let's get on track. Um I have a feeling that weirdly enough maybe some of the best things that could come of my life might originate from this year. Um and I don't really have any specifics, but I just have a feeling. Um and so I, I might, if that feeling is the case, it would be something like 2020 was a shit show. Uh, but somehow I think some of the best things that ended up unraveling came from that shit show of a year. I, I Maybe that's wishful thinking, but that's just kind of a feeling I get. Yeah, I didn't even think about it from a personal standpoint. I guess I feel similarly in a lot of ways because it's just like it it forced everybody to do to do something different than they were planning on doing. So that sort of altered like the path that everybody's on. So I, I could well, definitely see it. And even in the, the not not the personal sense, but also the 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 global sense, um, you know, if if there were things that we were ignoring that we're starting to see now, mm -hmm. um fuck yeah it's great that we're we have something that has forced us to pay attention to stuff that we've been negligent of or are just complacent with so i think that's also a good thing too
Mm -hmm. Anything else you want to say on this one? Uh, no, I think uh, that's a good question, I'll say. Yeah. I like that question we, a lot. I think both of our questions today are pretty good. Here's a second one. If today was your last day on Earth, how would you spend it? What activities would you want to do? What would you eat? Who would you spend your time with, etc.? Or as you would say, ETC. Uh, if today was my last day on Earth, I would... Ooh. I, I guess the first thing I'd do is that everybody here i would tell them to like i don't even know this is really tough because it's like if, I, if it's just one day i'd obviously get in my car that i don't have but i would rent a car um what if like can you imagine this if i go to rent a car and like there's some like issue there like you spend your you spend your whole day <laughs> filling out paperwork <laughs> yeah they're like just another i'm like dude this is my last day come on just let me take this car like just a, just a few more documents sir and he just keeps getting me more documents i keep signing them I like forget my like ID. Like, well, we're gonna need your ID, otherwise we can't give you this vehicle. <laughs> uh, so I would, I would go, I would drive all the way back. I'd go to my parents' house. Uh, I'd say hi to everybody. I'd be like right there. Um, I guess I'd eat dinner with everybody. And then one of the last things I'd do is I'd probably like make a video. Um, just record it with all my like final thoughts are of, I guess, my existence. Can I be in the video say, so what are your final thoughts? Final thoughts. So, uh, <laughs> you know, life, it's got its ups and downs. <laughs> it's just like, it just feels like just a very normal like video, you know, like I'd say some of the highlights of life were, uh, my birth, uh, <laughs> my 21st birthday, <laughs> my first kiss. <laughs> well, I graduated college. Wait, your first kiss is one of your highlights? No, definitely not. <laughs> I was going to say, I think Absolutely I've heard that not. story. <laughs> but, but I don't know. I'm just... Uh, You're spitballing. Yeah, I'm just spitballing what I would maybe say there. But yeah, I'd probably go back, make that video, talk about... I'd give some like speech, you know? <laughs> and then I murder you. That's how you die. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, no, hopefully not. That would be that'd be very tragic. Brandon, like, you think he's got my back? Actually, he is... You're like, I'm going to die in my sleep. And I'm like, no, you're fucking up. <laughs> this, rem <laughs> this reminds me of that Jeffrey Dahmer thing where it's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to eat that guy. It makes me think about how, like, what if you actually this whole time, this is like a really long, thought-out plot to just eat me one day. <laughs> <laughs> I have made multiple comments about eating people. Remember our, the joke that we had about if you... We talked about dating your... Yeah, the cannibal the girl. We, have a, we have a clip, uh, a podcast <laughs> clip on the channel. You got to disclose if you're a cannibal to your future girlfriends. Yeah, yeah you got to disclose that <laughs> right away. First date material stuff there. Just so you know, before we go any further here, I am a cannibal. I, I and people, I will eat you at some point. But I completely. Won't, I won't eat the part you want me to eat. Yeah, I'll only eat. I uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right, what about you? Um, well, I've never seen the ocean. So right now. My thought process is I would just want to go to the ocean. If there was some way I could get a grand piano out on the beach. <laughs> Let's get a, a beautiful grand piano out on the beach. I'll invite every person th that I love and care about to the ocean with me. And I'm busy that day. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's busy. I just am out there just playing by myself. It's, you get a taste of your own medicine. Everyone texts you. I'm really busy. <laughs> Dude, this is my last day. And it's like I, 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 it's like 11:30, and I start writing the best song I've ever written in my life. I have 30 minutes to finish it, and I forgot anything to record it. So it's like, 
<laughs> you played the greatest song ever written on the beach as you just melt. I don't know what happens at midnight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at midnight, you just melt like the Wicked Witch. Yeah. Uh, no, I just think of like something peaceful like that. Like, be on the ocean. By yourself? No, with people I love. So you you already... And so in this situation, you're able to, like, coordinate. Like, hey, yeah, this is the day I, I'm dying. I mean, I'm taking this to a complete extreme. I was going to say, like, it'd be pretty tough for you to drive to Minnesota to, like, see any of your family and then take them to the ocean. Like, you only got 24 no, hours. No, everybody so. meet. <laughs> Dude, I, this is a really inconvenient day for me. <laughs> Are you serious? I got to buy a plane ticket <laughs> just to go watch you play some songs on the beach. Are let's you not, serious? Let's not think about the logistics, all right? All right. I'm not thinking about logistics anymore. I'm over <laughs> the logistics. Yeah, so we all we all just are on the beach, the ocean. We we have like a little uh, a grill out and just feeling the the night. I just want like a nice breeze, feel the ocean, and uh, and then we watch, look at the stars, and then I just die. Then you melt at midnight. I melt. Yeah, that's uh, that's a that's a weird scenario to think of. It is quite poetic. So you don't think you would, like, try to re- leave behind, like, a song that day or you want to record something? I mean, I might. Like, maybe while I'm playing piano, maybe I'll, that some inspiration will hit me. Um, but if it doesn't, then we're just not – people are just not going to get it then. Yeah, I'm not going to force anything just because I'm going to die. Interesting. I want that day to be the most, like, serene. Like, it just is, like, I'm accepting my fate and I'm just, like, feeling whatever feelings – come to me without trying to force them like I, I don't have anything to accomplish anymore mm-hmm. it's just i'm gonna die so let's just let's just ride the wave out that's how i would picture it interesting i like that because i would think i mean that's what my life is for like my life is for leaving the legacy behind doing things if it's the last day of my life i know it's the last day of my life my journey is complete so now it's just like let's just Enjoy. Hmm. Like it. I mean, I wouldn't like if this actually happened, but, you know. Dude, you want me to fucking die, you (laughs) son of a bitch. Dude, you're getting this really twisted now. (laughs) Oh, good questions, you guys. Good question. Do we do uh, Under a Rock next? We have not done it yet, so we probably... Anything you want to say before we go to it? Because going to those questions, Under a Rock, you think that's a good segue? I think it's a great segue. Perfect. let's, Let's just... If you guys don't remember what Under a Rock is, basically we ask each other what are supposed to be relatively simple. But Brandon never knows any of them because he lacks knowledge. Relatively simple trivia questions, uh, things that if you don't know, you can consider yourself living under a rock. Yeah. And um, we each have three of them for each other, so we'll see. I think part of the strategy here, just in my opinion, if you're trying to win the game, is you got to find... I love how these, these segments are supposed to be fun and funny, <laughs> but now they've turned into Steven has to win. <laughs> yeah, I got to win. Is That's it because you've about. lost so much at I'm these? tired of losing these segments, <laughs> all right? I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to lose any more segments. But what you got to do is you got to find a gap in somebody's knowledge. Oh, so that's what you think you did? You, yeah, I, got, you I found, found some gap. gaps. I went right, I went right into your, your head, and I, just, I could find the gaps. Um, Who wants to go first? I'll ask you the first question. Okay. All right, ready for the first question? Let's do it. First question. What is the world's most populated city? Whew. 
got to be something in China, right? Oh, wait, no. Is it India? I have no idea. <laughs> you gonna you gonna put a guess out there? Uh, where's Dubai? <laughs> Is that your answer? <laughs> Shanghai. Is that your final answer? I'm not gonna get this right, so sure. That is incorrect, though actually a good guess, because I believe Shanghai is like three or something. Um, correct answer is Tokyo. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Wow, Japan has the... Yep. It's crazy. It's like by far the most populated, too. Holy crap, I didn't even realize that. Um, okay, what was the name of the last queen of France? <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> she's really famous. Okay, so, so this is something that you feel like a lot of people would know this, right? Yeah, she's so like, like there's are, shows on her, movies on because her. Because the first thing is, I didn't know that there was a Queen of France. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing I'll be. So I found a gap at Stevens. I'll be very clear. I did not know that there was French monarchs still. If wait, I don't think there are still. Well. So, so this is okay. All right, that's that's helpful. <laughs> so, like, maybe it's not like it was like twenty years ago. It could be like no, long, I think what's it's longer long, than that. No, okay, okay, she okay. is way back when. I mean, it doesn't really help me still, but at least I think this was before the French Revolution. It just rules out like Queen Latifah. Like, there's just rules out like a handful of Queen people. Queen Latifah, that could be. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right. saying, like, <laughs> the band Queen. It rules out like people that could have been like okay. you know in recent times. Yeah, just anything with <laughs> Queen in the name of it. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's think here. All right, so there's a qu- right. I feel like if I say her name, you, you Pri- princess. It's a princess or queen? Princess, princess, right? Princess. It, no, it's a queen. Queen. But just, just say her name. You don't need to say queen. Okay. Her, just her name, like. Yeah, just she has a regular. Okay, name. Okay, it's a regular name. Okay, that could be helpful. Uh. Queen. It will help you think of like French names. Uh, Antoinette. You know her first name? Uh, uh, hold on. Uh, uh, yeah. I can see you mouthing it. You're getting close. I'm getting close? The name that comes to mind is starts with an M. Yep. But I can't tell. Come on, dude. You got this. Maria? Close. Marie. Marie! <laughs> Marie Antoinette! I knew it was something like that. I told you, people know it. Oh my god. I honestly just know that's a name, and Antoinette sounds French, but I had no idea who that was. <laughs> so sometimes you just guess something. Alright. Uh, I'd give myself like 95% of that right. Right? I You got it right. Okay. <laughs> Alright. Next question. What is the most visited country in the world? And we'll just do like what what, what it was in 2019 because 2020 is a very weird year and I I didn't look it up but This is the usually most on the list. visited country? Yep. Is it France? Is that your final answer? Yes. That is correct. <laughs> Boom. It is France. Cuz I was just thinking of Paris. I feel like people go to Paris yeah. all the time. Yeah, it makes sense, too, because it's kind of centralized, like, on the world. Like, a lot of people end up over there. Who is the author of James and the Giant Peach? Ooh. I thought you'd know, so you oh, love James and no, the Giant Peach. I know, I know, I know. 
I mean, honestly, I only know like four authors. Is it, uh, is it uh, something dull? Yep. The first name, like, Rawl or something? Rald. Rald? Yep. <laughs> Rald Dahl. Rald Dahl. <laughs> nice. Uh, I got it. I literally know, like, just a handful of authors. Like, that could have easily been wrong. All right, go to the next question. Whew. Last question for us. All right. Then that last question. It's a list, right? I feel like we might have done this one before. I can't remember, but we're doing it again if we've done it. Okay. Name the five Great Lakes. The five Great Lakes. Uh, if you get one wrong, you're out. Superior, Erie. I should know this because this is like. Yeah, I chose it because we both grew up by a Great Lake, so I feel like, and we now live by another. So like we. Michigan. <laughs> we should know a lot. Oh God. What are the two others? All right. So which one right now? So far you have Michigan, Superior, okay, and Erie. Okay, so you're missing two. <laughs> like I totally feel like we should know this, but I'll be honest, I don't know that I would have gotten this right. I'm. I'm not going to get it, so just tell me, though. The other two are Huron and oh. Ontario. Yep. Fuck. Completely, like, should know these, I feel like, but just didn't know them. All right. What species can live on both water and land? Live. Is, is there just only one? Mm-hmm. Really? There's only one species? So this means that they can live fully submerged. They can hold their breath for an endless amount of time. Pretty much. And then they can also live on the land. I, I guess I don't know the specifics. Just what species can live on both water and land. I don't know if they can hold their breath forever. I mean, my guess, I don't, even though I've, I don't think this is right, is the platypus. No. What species? Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so not a platypus. <laughs> Hippopotamus. Oh, what no, no. species? Oh, okay. It's so, like an entire oh, group. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're saying, you're saying like a mammal, like that kind of thing. Yes. Okay, okay. So, um, uh, uh, yeah. Amphibians. Good job. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Dude, I'm crushing today. I mean, technically, you got it wrong twice. I am crushing today. <laughs> Dude, I'm the, I'm the goat. <laughs> Hell yeah. And that was Under a Rock. Boop -a -doop -a -doop -a -doop. Wow, that was a good one. I actually kind of like that game. I like it, too. I feel like I learned things I'm going to remember. Yeah. That's well, it's also me. like like when you get one right that you're like, wait a second, do I know this or not? You kind of find like there's this hidden knowledge that you have in your brain. Yeah, I know. Like, I just pulled things out of my mind I didn't even know were there. Like, I don't even really know what an amphibian is. Well, the thing, like too, is, like, something. your mind is pretty much empty at all times. So, for you to be able to pull anything out of it. It's honestly, it's the story of our time. <laughs> it's the story of our time. This you've, was the story of our time. You've been loving that phrase lately. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I always have phrases. This is, like, 
this is my calling is to just come up with phrases. That's just like my I should be Shut you, up. you you heard it here, companies. You're looking for slogan guy? He's right here wearing a backwards hat. This is slogan guy. Slogan guy. All right. I'm just saying I'm really good slow at slogan gang. guys. Dude, you love Logan. I'm the slow gang, dude. <laughs> That's a pretty good one, actually. Maybe you've got an act for this too. Maybe not like not as good, but something. I'm the Wozniak, all right. You're you're, you're the Steve Jobs. <laughs> I'm the idea guy, all right. Uh, I've ne- is this a new water bottle? Mm-hmm. So you just are, you made like you made me feel like I need to be water jug guy. Well, and look how fancy this one is here. So I turn it on. So is this? It, <laughs> what is this? It lights up every hour to remind you to drink water, so it'll change colors. I don't know if it's going to do it right now. Yep, see? It'll change colors. I don't know if the, the camera's picking it up well. It'll change colors to remind you, but it also can do this. Okay. So far, it's pretty cool. You can play music. Bluetooth, baby. Wow. Okay. Okay. Pretty sick, huh? That is pretty cool. Uh, so like thirty bucks. Uh, that was my next question. Thirty bucks. All right. I mean, if you really think about it, like that's a lot for just a water bottle, but it's not just a water bottle. That's no. The thing. And look at this. Like, if I just wanted, look at that. This is the Bluetooth thing. So if I like, oh, oops. <laughs> Oh no! If I wanted to just like go take a shower and listen to some music, you can bring that in with me. Interesting. Oh, you could even bring it in the shower. Oh, right? I don't know, but about, I didn't mean like it's bring waterproof. It. I just right. Uh, I need. It's to look. part of a water bottle. Yeah, I need to look that. Is part. that our next? That's well, that's for another time. We'll figure it out. Well, yeah, we'll look up the details later. We'll leave it out in the rain. See what happens. Could be nice. I wanna know. Have you ever seen the rain? Um. What have we not talked? Anything else we wanted to like talk about in this episode? I did want to talk about the Jacob Blake thing uh, briefly. Um, I, I mean, I don't know that there's much that we're going to say that you haven't heard already. I, I just wanted to uh, address some things. Um, so if you didn't know the, the story, Jacob Blake was shot uh, by a police officer seven times in the back and I believe is now paralyzed from the waist down. His spinal cord was, was severed um, from this altercation uh i believe he was being apprehended because someone called the police thinking that he was going to take the keys to their car he had his kids in the back of his car the uh, i think it was three officers that tried to apprehend him he kind of fought them off and then walked away they pulled their guns on him um according to the police officers he had a knife in his hand people watching the scene said that he they did not see a knife in his hand and uh and when he went to go into his car, was sh- that was when uh, the police officer uh, used lethal force, or at least attempted to. Obviously, he survived. But um, I just... Uh, and then a day later, I don't know if it was a day later, but afterwards there were protests that broke out in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and a, uh, a teenager um, went to these protests to defend property as that's what they stated and ended up killing two people and injuring one person. And the thing I guess I want to point out is, well, number one, I, I can't keep being shocked by this because I feel like that, that, that is a portion of my privilege that I need to check and 
me being naive, but the fact that a, a, a call like this, and some people will say, well, he was a sexual assault. He had a warrant for sexual assault. That wasn't the reason that they went to apprehend him. It was because of someone claiming that he was going to steal the keys of their car or something like that. Um, but even still, watching that situation unfold, how did that escalate to seven shots to the back and his kids were in the car like it just it blows my mind and i know that i'm not a cop and i don't know those situations but like this isn't like me taking a customer service call and me getting pissed at a person on the phone and going off on them like there needs to be better de-escalation stuff here even if your apprehension of him uh like for it to go to a place where you're shooting a guy in the back seven times is ridiculous. And what what makes you even more frustrated is that kid who killed two people and injured one had an AR strapped to his chest and approached police officers with his hands up and they passed him. He didn't get arrested till the day later. This guy, they claimed he had a knife in his hand. People didn't see that. And I'm also thinking, I don't know if that's true because they did have a scuffle. If they had a scuffle, how come he didn't use the knife in the scuffle? And uh, this guy has a literal AR on his fucking chest and nothing happens. I, I, I don't know how we don't, how anybody doesn't see the discrepancy here between people. Uh, Trevor Noah said, uh, a really good thing. He's like, it's not about the weapon. It's about who's holding the weapon. I feel like that's the case. And uh, I, it, I just don't know how many more examples we need for people to get in alignment with, hey, maybe we need to reevaluate how we're approaching these situations. Um, it's incredibly sad. And you feel so helpless to this shit because it, you got all these people that are just like, well, he deserved it or yeah, you know what kind of person he was? Like, all this stuff is just like... I don't even know what to say anymore. So I I, I just wanted to bring it up because I, I, I don't want to ignore it. And I want to talk about it. And I think it's... um, There are double standards for, for how situations are being handled. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't even have that much to add to what you said. I mean, you think you covered a lot. We've talked about this before. You've covered a lot of what my thoughts are on it. And like... This is going to just I don't know that there will come a day during our lifetime where we can happily say that these types of things are no longer an issue. Like as much as it would be great, we're going to continue to see these things um, and it's going to it's going to take time to change societal norms and just to actually get people to recognize that there are issues here. And there may not be a time where people will still recognize them no matter how many times it seems to be blatantly in people's faces. So tough news, I obviously feel really bad for the family and having to go through this really difficult time. I feel bad for the, uh, the protesters who lost their lives to the, the who that were gunned down during this. Um, absolutely. One of the worst parts about this type of thing is the violence that does take place as a result of the protests and more people will then go on to lose their life. But at the end of the day, this is just another moment to take a step back and recognize that there is a problem here. And, you know, I, I don't, I, I like this podcast being fun. I like talking about fun things. I like, um, I like being goofy on this podcast. We have a lot of segments on here, but I, I do think that 
it is very important to recognize that within this, we also pay attention to the things that are going on. And when we do have something that we want to say about it, you're going to hear uh, our perspective. You are welcome to disagree with what he says or what I say. That's uh, that's completely okay. I think if anything, it's about just having the discussions and actually being able to have them instead of uh, like fighting with one another. Like have the discussion. Like there's people out there who are very very ignorant to what's going on, and a lot of times they just they haven't opened their their eyes to things. They haven't had a good discussion, or they feel like they're going to be attacked for trying to have a um a productive a productive conversation. So I think my my head in this type of stuff is for people who are open to have this type of dialogue. I think it's just important to not judge and to just let people say their opinions and try to have like a civilized conversation. Because if you want to convert somebody to change their views on things, if you consistently attack them, they're probably not going to do it. So it's like as much as it pains people, I, I do think that like having these sort of calm, collected conversations, despite the fact there's a lot of passion behind them, hopefully some people will start to change their mind on some of these things and some people just will absolutely not so we'll talk about this type of stuff from time to time but um we're uh, definitely thinking about people who are uh suffering a lot worse than you or i are um at this moment but i definitely feel for people well uh you want to do the spotify segment yeah to, yeah, to yeah round yeah. us off yep and on more of a positive note, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember who went first last time. Um, you went first last time. So this time I will go first. So I did. Uh, I listened to Space Divest by Dream Theater. Um, so what stood out to you about the song? Uh, holy crap, is this like theatrical? Like this is, there's like a huge. St- I, so one thing about the Spotify segment is we, we pretty much put the song in for us to listen the day of so we don't get a lot of time to like really sit with the song and i feel like this is one of those songs that you have to sit with and like really digest so i guess that's my takeaway is like i like there is a lot to the, there are a lot of layers i feel like to this song and that's what stood out to me it, it, it definitely captivates me in that sense and makes me want to continue listening to find out what the story is um how does the song make you feel very intrigued and like curious and like um uh what else i i just like i want to follow this song down whatever road it wants to take me um there there's I also wonder, is this song on a concept album? I don't know that it's... It's the last track on the album. I don't know that it's technically a concept, a concept album? album, though. Okay. It just has that vibe that, like, it makes me want to listen to the album because I wonder how it ties into everything. But uh, but if it's just this song, I mean, that's fine. It just... Uh, I don't know. There's It just feels like there's a lot that you can't catch upon first second or third listen like you need to like sit with this for like a week and just like listen to the lyrics read them and and uh even musically just like there are so many changes and and uh, it's so dynamic i mean i i love the piano um that's uh like that's kind of the focal point of the music uh which you know that i can appreciate so uh, i i enjoyed this a lot and uh i i I want to listen again and again and again. Um, So would I put it on uh, or would I give it a thumbs up, thumbs down or somewhere in between? I would give this one a thumbs up for sure. And I'm I definitely encourage all of you to listen to it once it goes on our uh, public playlist. Um, 
because I definitely am going to as well. What was the reason you chose this one this week? Um, okay, so Dream Theater is one of my favorite bands, and they're like a, they're a little bit different than I feel like a lot of other bands I listen to. They were big, big-ish, but like in the uh, early '90s to like I like I really just like the '90s era of the band, and this album that this song is on. So it's the last track, and I don't like this album as much as their previous album. But this song in particular, I think, is just like the first time I heard it, I was just like blown away by the production of it. Like it's like I think it's in 90, 1994, I think is when the song came out. No way. And it like it the production is like it feels so modern. It's crazy. Like it's it's very bizarre how how the production is done on this song. I heard it. And I was just like, wow. This song is ahead of its time in terms of like the different effects and layering that they because like, nowadays. You see that they can add a lot of layers, but like back then, this was kind of ahead of its time, and it was just I was very, very impressed by how it was done, and I also just found it to be like, just such a cool song. I listen to it a lot. I think it's like very like dark and brooding, and um, just because it's also like piano leaning, I was just kind of curious what your thoughts are on it because it's always been one of my it's it's like borderline a top favorite song of mine. Yeah, it's it was really good. I'm glad that you suggested that one. Um, and then you had. Uh, Eight by I think it's. I, I was hoping that you would know how to say that. See, I have I, no idea. I winged this week. I, I they were on my Discover Weekly playlist on Spotify, so I don't even know this artist. It's like Hoax or Hoax or Hawks. It's H A U X, featuring Rosie Carney. On the song is called Eight. So what? Yeah. Did you, so so I take it you don't know anything about this artist. Nope. Okay. No, absolutely nothing about it. So okay, the first thing about this song that stands out is it goes right into the vocals. Like it's like I think it's literally in the first second. Yeah. Which is just it's it that's very unique to me because normally there's a little bit of build up. I mean, you a lot of times you hear like you hear songs where there's not a ton of build up. Like there's some punk songs that kind of just go right into it, but this is literally immediate vocals, and it's not it's not immediate vocals and like um. Uh, intensity either mm-hmm. it, it's literally just immediate vocal so it's a, it's a very interesting to hear that and then you hear like a call and response between two vocalists which is really interesting so not you in the first like two seconds you have heard like a call and response of two different voices and you're like whoa like that it's very like i i actually when that happened i actually stopped it for a second i was like did i accidentally fast forward this because this is very weird so i went back and hit it again I was like, oh, no, this is actually how it starts. So I really like I, – I I'm a definitely a sucker for the back and forth call and response of two voices. I mean, you can hear with uh, when Taking Back Sunday does it or when um, uh, Blink-182 does it. I've always been a big fan of sort of that little back and forth dynamic. And actually, I wish Blink-182 did it a little bit more than they uh, do it in, or have done it in the past. But regardless, uh, that was the first thing that stood out to me. Um, it's also a very like it has it almost this dreamy or just something where if you just stripped out the vocals and you just listened to the music i feel like it would make for music you could like read or study to which is very interesting to me because it it doesn't feel instrumentally like the type of song that would always have vocals on top of it which I like that because it just got me to think for a second because oftentimes I've wondered what would vocals sound like if it had, um, I guess I don't even know what this type of instrumentation is called, but it it's cool to see the vocals on top of it. It's certainly nothing that I would ever 
uh, have on a playlist because it's just not something I've ever really even been exposed to a whole lot. Um, definitely a very slow song. This is not a song where you're going to listen to it and just be like real jazzed or something because it's very slow. Um, and the slow... The slowness, it's so slow that it almost is good for me because I tend to like when music is either sped up or like really slowed down. So the really slow part of it, I do like that part of it a lot. Um, uh, in terms of the meaning behind it, I, I tried to look at the lyrics. It, it seems to be uh, maybe about a, a kid coping with the death of someone. Like that's what my guess is on this. Maybe it's of a, uh, a parent or someone who's obviously close to them one way or another. And you can kind of feel that because it's sort of a slow, sort of sad song. Not a song I'm surprised that Brandon would put on a playlist. Um, uh, overall, what were my thoughts on it? I... I'd put this one kind of like in, I guess, in more of the in between. Um, it's not a song I would probably go back to as much as some of the other songs that we've done here before. But it's a song I'm glad that I listened to. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, I think I've said this before, but the way that I operate with music is, I'll listen to this Discover Weekly playlist on Spotify, or maybe I'll like just be searching different uh radio stations on youtube and i'll like listen to a new artist and if a song captures me i'll like put it in a playlist and then just kind of listen over and over again so uh, w one thing i actually wanted to say is that's the one thing that the dream theater song did for me is like if i had heard it on this discover weekly playlist i would have put it in my feeling it playlist so that i could uh kind of dive into it a little bit more but this song was one of those where I had it on my Discover Weekly playlist just this week, and I was actually walking home um, from a restaurant, and uh, it just came on, and I just like was just really immersed in it, and I and I wanted to know more, and uh, specific like the layering of the vocals, like there is that call and response, but then there are like moments where one person singing the other person and then all of a sudden they come together and it's just like this back and forth. It's like this tension that's happening and the song is very dark. Um, I don't think it's, I think it's not just the coping with a loss, but I think it's literally, I think there's a line in there where he says, I woke up to this person being cold, like their body being cold. Like, so they woke up to this person, they fell asleep with this person, everything was fine. And then they woke up to them being gone. And just the the intensity of that, and all, all, like I don't think the lyrics get very complex. There's a lot of repetition in it, and I almost feel like I love that even more because it feels like I'm gonna do a songwriter to songwriter on this, so I'm gonna probably expand on this more. But it feels like, what else do you say? What else do you say about having that experience? Or you're in your the song is called Eight because they say they're they're an eight year old in this song, and. Uh, as an eight-year-old, like maybe like laying with your grandmother or mother or something, who some or father, grandfather, whatever. They're they're old. They're they're comforting, um, and then waking up to their cold body and realizing they're not there with you anymore. Maybe even not understanding it fully until you get older and you're like, wow, that happened. Um, I don't even know that there's words in the English language to articulate that experience and the, maybe even the trauma within it and stuff. So I was just very captivated by the song and, and just wanted to get your thoughts, especially I, I, I think a lot of times when I have you listen to songs, I try to get song. I, I focus on the vocalists a lot of times because like, I want to hear, have you hear female vocalists. I want to ha have you hear 
male vocalists that I really respect. And then I also like the idea of like pairing, like see what you think about the combination of them and stuff like that. So that was one of the reasons why I wanted you to listen to this one this week. And it's another reason why I enjoy, I enjoy just hearing things that I would never be exposed to. And I also, I like, I, I actually just really like trying to figure out what song I want you to listen to and why I want you to listen to it. I think yeah. that's kind of fun. Definitely. Dope. Anything else that you want to, for the, the season finale, the, season one finale, anything else you want to say? Yeah, maybe, maybe just uh, just to quickly let you guys know, like, yeah, this is the end of uh, the season of the podcast, but the idea of why we are doing this is I just think that over time, the, what this show is about, it's all kind of stayed the same, but now the way in which we are delivering it with just like, uh, upping the game on the quality of it and being able to do it in the way that we are able to do it now. I just feel like it's just kind of time for a, a little bit of a, a shake up and to just try to see like what, you know, what's next? What else can we, can we do to push it? So like, I don't, I don't imagine that anyone's going to be taken aback by any of the changes that come with season two, but I just think it'll be kind of cool to have a, like to break it up and just say like, all right, this is something new. It's sort of a new era of things here. So that's really all I see it as. Yeah, and it's uh, we're also not like taking any time off or anything, so we'll be right back here next week. Um, but yeah, it, I think it is. It's more of a symbolic thing for us. It's taking a new step into new territories, just making everything better. I think we were we had been discussing this for a while, but we wanted to wait till our setup got a little more professional. And now that we have that, I think we want to um, kind of capture that that uh, that ambiance of professionalism and uh the aesthetic that we want to create all together uh so we're going to work on that and and have um just part of the show like theme song and and intro and stuff like that outro uh be a little different uh than what you've been expecting but it's all um kind of in the theme of of refining uh the product that we put out for you guys to to uh enjoy Yes. Yes. All right. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much uh, for listening to this episode. If you made it this far, thank you for sticking around. Thank you for uh, traveling with, with us through 117 episodes, over 120 if you count the spotlight episodes, and the end of season one. Season two starts next week. If you have any thoughts, comments, or questions, uh, be sure you email us, emgpod at gmail.com. You can call us, leave us a voicemail, 513-427-EMG5. Again, that's 513-427-EMG5. You can follow us, follow us on social media at emgpod. That'll be Instagram and Twitter. Steven is at Stephen Russell B. I am at Brandon J. Flippin. Thank you again, and we will see you next week. Take it easy. Holding on to-